on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. That's the whole right. thing with staying in your territory is you have the ability to overcome obstacles, which in the construction business, that's yeah. the normal flow of business. But when you step outside of where you know you shouldn't be, yep. it, it the, the wheels just seem to fall off and it, it never works out. <laughs> you are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, everybody. I'm Chaz Wolf, gathering the kings. I've got Greg Caldwell on the king stage today. Brother, great to have you here. How are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate the chance to visit with you. Yeah, absolutely, man. We were just talking off air a little bit. You're in the mobile unit today. I love the mobile unit podcast. These are always get really juicy because you're in the midst of it all. So I, I love the flow. Greg, tell us what kind of business you have, man. So I own a couple of businesses. I own a, a construction business. We, we primarily focus on steel buildings. We kind of venture a little deeper into some of them as you, I'm not sure if it's very popular in your area yet, but uh, barn dominiums are kind of an up and coming, in essence, building a house inside of a steel building. Yeah. And uh, as we have customers that want those, we go deeper into that. But but primarily, we don't do home construction without the the steel building component to it. That's kind of our into the to the area. So, so soup to nuts. You're building the whole entire home, but you're starting with the steel structure. Yes, yes. And in fact, we go as far as as doing the dirt work. We do the foundation. We pour the concrete. We build the building, and then we wow. handle everything until we hand them the keys. So yeah, love it. And and are you, sir, are you providing the service in more than just one area or are you concentrated in your local market? Mostly here in the East Texas area. We try to okay. stay within about 50 miles of home. Just, yeah. just the, the way it works out, that's the most effective <laughs> for everybody. It'd be tough to bring an excavator much further. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it makes perfect sense for Texas because you guys have no basements, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the funny part about the barn dominium is that in 2015, I bought a, a property here in Kansas City from a friend of mine. He was moving out of the city and it was on five acres. I'd never been to his house, but I'd heard about this, you know, farm as what, you know, five acres is, is a farm here sure. in the city, but we go over there and it's a barn dominium. And so I bought this place from him in 2015 and, and we've since then you know, rented it out. And actually I've got some family living there and stuff, but they're, they're, they're super unique. I absolutely love the style. And uh, I think, I think that what you're doing is going to be around for a very, very long time. So that's, that's incredible. It is very popular gaining in popularity all the time. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, okay. So before we jump into the details, I want to know at this level, you've got a unique story and a, and a history. And but again, before we get into the details, I want to know like what moves you at this point, this isn't your first rodeo. This isn't the first thing that you've put your hand to, why are you pressing into this thing now at this level? Like what, what moves you? Family. I've got, I've got four kids. The oldest is a CPA accountant. She's married off the payroll, if you will. <laughs> she's, she's on somebody else's payroll. Uh, That's right. The next daughter just graduated with her bachelor's in marketing. So she's finding her place in the world. 
And then I've got a son that's just out of high school and then a son that's in high school. And wow. they're interested in the business in, in different aspects, if you will. And okay. so the, the hope is to grow the business to be able to encompass all of them and their various strengths and, and et cetera, mm-hmm. to, to grow the business and have a legacy, if you will, that, that they're that. involved with. I love that. I love the idea of each of them having their own little space. I think that that's super unique because each are going to be different. I also have four kids, but they're much younger. And so I'm, I'm going to be watching you and how you do this <laughs> because I, I, you're so right. They got their own personality. They got their yes. own skill sets, their own talents, their own interests. And so, yeah, I, I, I offline, I'm going to have to just, you know, text you and, and bug you to death on how that's <laughs> going to roll out for you because sure. I totally have the same vision, having these different unique skill sets that my children are already developing even, you know, b- before 10 and going, okay, like I see, I see this and I see that and, you know, yes. puppeteering the whole thing, you know? <laughs> sure, sure. Being and it the, is, being it's finding each one of them. Yeah, it, it's, it's finding each one of them's niche, if you will, and then, and yeah. then figuring out how to plug them in. Like I said, from accountant to marketing to my older son is, is very hands-on as far as being day-to-day operations of, of things and how things work. And then my youngest, to put it quite honestly, he could sell snow to an Eskimo. I mean, he That's is right. a, That's right. he is a sales guy. And so that, that will probably be his niche when it comes a long time, because he just yep. has that natural talent. So, yeah, I love it. I love how too, it fits right in with typical firstborn, lastborn kind of formation. Usually that lastborn's a fantastic salesperson. They're a little crazy, but, but, <laughs> but most salespeople are. Sure. <laughs> Sure. Uh, is there is there another architect or another facilitator like you in the bunch who who kind of has a little bit of skill set everywhere that will run the whole thing? You think? You know, it's 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 hard to tell. They're all still just kind of finding their way. So yeah, yeah, we'll see how it develops. There you go. Well, I love that. I love the legacy piece too. Was that was that something that has been inside you for a long time? Obviously, you've had the kids for a long time, or has that been something that's kind of developed as they've gotten older? Tell me about like you know how this why came about. Well, it was, it was always kind of a thought. I, I grew up, my grandparents were, were farmers, you know, were, they farmed. And so the, the typical dream of, of that way of life is, is to hand it off down to, to generations and et cetera. And unfortunately right. that didn't work out, but then the thought was, okay, how do we, how do we develop something that would be a similar right. in, in the, in the handed off type aspect of, of generation after generation to be involved and, and have that. And so it's been a, a yeah. desire to find that. And so this has kind of worked into that model. So yeah, hundred percent. I, I know that to be true and you're right. It's legacy, whether it's farm ground, whether sure. it's a business, whatever it's, it's, it's the idea that you can build something that your, your children can stand on your shoulders, right? Yes, Do something absolutely. even bigger. Absolutely. That's cool, man. Okay. So let's go back. Right. So tell me about your sure. journey. Tell me about how you got started, maybe even before business, because I know that you have sure. quite a bit of history before that. Give us a little bit of your history. Well, you know, I'll tell you. So way back, my parents owned a, my, my dad and my uncle owned a tractor dealership. Okay. And in the early 80s, and the oil bust took place in, in West Texas in the, in the mid 80s and took us out. And wow. so we were, I was, was young at that time and didn't know any different, but all of a sudden we were doing odd jobs anywhere and everywhere, but it taught me how to do a lot of the things that I use today. We were replacing, repairing roofs. We were building fence. We were doing construction projects and it really wasn't. Yeah. And and the thing about it was I didn't know any different. My dad never spent any money 
before we lost the business. It was not like there was a drastic reduction in funds that I was getting. It was just something else we were doing. And I didn't realize that, I guess maybe I did a little bit, but that I was helping pay the way, if you will. But, yeah. but it taught me a lot of skills that, that apply now to what I do now as a, as a contractor in the, in the building industry. So oh, yeah. that, I... that's kind of where we started off, you know? Yeah. And it just progressed from there. You know, I went to, I went to, went to college, got the, the typical four-year degree. Sure. I went to work for a steel company and worked for them for about 18 years. And I was teaching contractors how to put up steel buildings and how to, how to make things work and how to put it together. And after I'd been there for about 18 years, it was like, you know, I've done this for long enough for somebody else. And I, I've, I knew the owner of the company that I worked for. He was, I, I grew up around him. Sure. And so I'd known him forever and I made him very good money. I mean, that's, that's the, but that's what a, an employee is supposed to do is, yeah, is benefit the, the employer. And uh, the realization was there is, Hey, I can do this for myself. And so at that point I left that company, the, the old fee blanket, if you will, and uh, changed up careers a little bit, but it enabled me to start my construction business on the side. And then yeah. I built it up over the last, you know, seven years or so into what it is to, is now. So. Yeah, I love the energy there of, you know, I mean, geez, 18 years, it's not like it's not like you tried out something for six months, got antsy and said, you know, forget this, I'm gonna go do it myself. Sure. And not that that would be a bad story either. But I think that, you know, man, you were you were plenty faithful. Sure. And, and so was was the entrepreneurial bug biting you that whole time and you were just kind of fighting it off? Or what did it did it all of a sudden get you like, <laughs> tell well, me, about you know, it's, it's interesting you say that, Chaz. So my wife, her family, she grew up in the, her father was an electrician for the rural, uh, the, the local power company. He worked okay. for the power company, worked for that job for 40 years. I mean, he was yeah. Mr. Steady and the thought of venturing out self-employed to my wife was beyond frightening. She was yeah. not used to that type of thing. So I always had that in my mind, in the back of my mind, but just trying to find out exactly how to make that happen to, to relieve some of her stress Sure. And it worked into the, to the best way. Cause as I said, I changed jobs and it allowed me to start this on the side to build it up. So she had a whole lot less apprehension of yeah. leaving the security, if you will, of a, of a nine to five or oh. you know, well, nine to five. Yeah. Who works that? But, a, yeah. but an eight to <laughs> an eight to whenever job yeah. to go self-employed. And so that was, yeah. that was kind of progress that we made. And, and in that journey, while I was working for the other company, I, I went back and got an MBA and of all things, it was just something that's like, you know, I want to, I want to see how this works out. And so I can apply those things now. Yeah. And, and even with the business I was, was running before for the, for the previous company that I worked for, a lot of those principles, we were using them every day. It just helped you understand the background of how you plugged those in and made them work, I guess yeah. you would say. hundred percent. Yeah. You just got a little bit of a roadmap. So I'm curious now, what does wifey think about the business and, and is, does it still make her on edge a little bit or is she just smooth sailing now? How's that work? No, she's, she's very happy with it. She, she likes what we're doing. The, she can see the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, that, that there is a, uh, a success, a story there. She's heard all the, 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 horror stories of, of how many small businesses don't survive and don't right. this, that, or the other, but, but it's been going long enough now that, that she's a whole lot more at ease with what, what yeah. we're doing and, and can see that it, 
is it is possible and and that we are successful at it so yeah exactly i was gonna say i mean at some point there was a turning i'm sure for her whether she told you that or not but there was a history that you had built with her and i and i say this because i've said this on other shows but it's usually in connection to like ourselves like i i feel like i've made good decisions or i've built a history with myself i can look back or even in the moment of do i want to do this or that or whatnot it's like I look back on what I've done, the confidence that I have in myself, I'm betting on myself. And so in this case, you were just building that same history, but just with her. So that sure. now today you ask her the question. And although it may not be like, if, if it was up to her today, would, would she leave everything that you have and go start something fresh? <laughs> sure. Probably sure. not, but, but she's betting on you now. It sounds like. Sure. Well, and, and even to the point of, you know, it's, it's the, the comfort in the, and the belief in what I'm doing, you know, yeah, hey, dear, I'm going to buy a, a $150,000 piece of equipment. Right. Okay, if it'll work, right? And she's in for it. You know, we're, we're in the past. She might have been, are you, Wait a second. Are, are you crazy? Are, we're going to borrow right. how much to do, you know, that type of thing. But but there's a whole lot more ease with that decision. And, and she's known me. We've known each other. We started dating in high school. She was a sophomore. I was a junior. So we've known each other longer then we've not known each other. So she knows my thought process, how I do things. I'm a very analytical. Uh, well thought I out. <laughs> I, I love Excel. I will, I will run things to death doing different scenarios in Excel of, of equipment right. and how it will work out and, and things yeah. like that. So she knows that is my, my mindset. So she knows if I'm ready to pull the trigger, I've already beat it to death. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I definitely want to hear about how that's helped you and potentially held you back. And so I think that's amazing, though, that you've given her that gift, really, the gift sure. of you can trust me, the gift of the history, the gift of, you know, even the fact that she can trust the fact that you've just beat it to death already, that she can just already trust that you've done that, I think is an incredible gift that as entrepreneurs, especially men, you know, unto our wives, like, it's tough because we want to be able to provide the, 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 the life or just the opportunity or the, the security, but some of those things don't exist in entrepreneurship. Like it, they're constantly moving. And although it might feel secure to her, <laughs> sure. you know, to you, there's this equipment and then, then there's this, and then the job doesn't go well. And then someone quit. And then there, there, there's always these moving pieces, sure. which is fine. That's why we build systems. But the, the idea of something being secure is just pff, so gone from my mind, you know? Sure. Okay. So I want to know along the way here, you've, you've, you've given us some, especially this analytical perspective. Tell us how that or something else that you want to share is like a good decision that you've made or maybe a good process that you have in making good decisions that's led you to be where you are now. Well, so like I mentioned, my, my favorite thing to do with, just say for a piece of equipment, I'll plug it all into an Excel spreadsheet and I'll find exactly what it will return per hour, what the exact costs are of it, the maintenance, the every little thing that can go, that goes with it. And I will boil it down to what is the break even? What is the minimum that has to happen with that a piece of equipment for it right. to pay for itself? Yep. And that is that generally is what it comes down to when I make the decision whether to buy a piece of equipment or, or not, is that that number. When you, when you break it down into numbers like that, it's usually a no-brainer. You go, oh, wow, I can run this two hours a week, and it pays Based. for itself. That means right. the rest of the, the week is making profit, you know, uh, above and beyond. And so that is, that's my mindset generally on moving forward on, 
acquiring assets or et cetera. So, yeah. So give us a specific scenario where you've done that or something similar to that, where it was like a game changer for you, where you made this move and looking back, you're like, Oh, thank goodness. I did it that time. Sure. Sure. Well, and, and it's something that we bought recently. We bought a, bought a piece of equipment that, well, let me, let me back up just a little bit. So in the business, as I told you, I have two different businesses. I have a construction business. We build steel buildings. Well, an offshoot of that was, was having difficulty getting contractors to do dirt work, to do the foundation work for my projects right. when I needed it. And so we bought a small piece of equipment so we could start doing it on our own. Well, and it was kind of in that mindset of when I was looking at it, it's like, okay, we need to, if, if we use this piece of equipment just to build the foundations that we're building, it actually pays for itself automatically. It, it, there's no consequence right. with this piece of equipment to buy with the jobs that we already and have lined up with already have lined up. Yes. So we yeah. bought it. And then lo and behold, did, did not only did I need that service, there are other people around me that, that needed the work done. And so it started growing and, and started use of it. And yeah we had an offshoot and now like I said, I have an excavation company that we've completely separated and it can work in conjunction with a construction company or it can work completely separate. separate. And yeah. so that is, that has really increased our revenue flow, if you will. And yeah. it's also increased our diversity because as I mentioned before, they can work together, the two companies, but they're absolutely not dependent on each other. Right. And so I, I feel like we're setting ourselves up depending on, you know, everybody's worried about what's happening with the economy and are we due for this or a recession or, or et cetera. But with right. two completely separate veins of, of business, I, I feel like we've kind of set ourselves up to have a little bit of security, no matter yeah. what happens with the market. One of them will continue to, to be busy and, and be able to, to provide what we need it to do. So I love, I love the angle. I'm going to boil it all the way down to, you know, would you say that you're being analytical? Would you say that you're a, a fairly not risky guy, just to put it plainly, or would you say that you're risky as long as it fits into the box? As long as it fits in the box, I'm, yeah. I'm not afraid of, of doing it, but I just, I like to see that it, that the numbers yeah. are there. Yeah. You're not going to sling, sling back and forth without calculating it, but calculated sure. risk. And so I love that. I'm the same exact way. I like to say that I'm extremely risky when it comes to calculated risk, which doesn't yes, make it yes. super risky, really. Sure. But sure. But I love what you did there. Boil it all the way down to that one decision of I'm going to feed my business by taking control of the foundation work. And although it seems like a little bit of like, well, you could just, if you just stayed in your lane, you stay in your niche and you just, you know, hire it out, then that's fine. That, that allows you to scale. But in this case, you were getting held up by it. So the one decision to just allow to like the hourglass pinch to be removed actually then provided the opportunity, which with equipment that usually how it comes down is that you were with a person willing to take the risk. Nobody else around you was. And so yes. now you get the benefit of, of taking the risk. So for the listener, I just want you to pay attention to what, Greg saying to you, it's not about necessarily going and buying another piece of equipment and starting another business. It was number one, re removing the hourglass pinch from his business. He had to first identify what that looked like. He crunched the numbers. It made sense. Even if there was no excavation company, it made sense to remove the hourglass pinch so his other business can flourish. But then like with any other risk, with any other calculated risk, as we'll say, there's always going to be additional benefit that maybe sometimes you don't recognize up front, but you can pay attention to as you continue to open yourself up to opportunity. Because that's really what risk is, is that you open yourself up to opportunity as long as you're taking a hold of, and, and you could have turned down those other jobs. You could have said, no, we're not going to be an excavation company. We're just going to keep this for us and, and be what it is. And that would have been fine. 
But now you have two companies that are probably going to be not just one, but like you said, potentially saving one or the other, or both thriving through sure. the recession or whatever it is that they're calling us that we're going to go. Sure. Through, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Let's flip the coin, Greg. What about a bad choice? What have you done that just, just oof. you know, in the construction business, that this is actually a pretty easy one and it's taking jobs that you know, you shouldn't. Yeah. You know, it, you'll, you'll, it, it sounds terrible, but I'm, I'm that kind of guy. You'll have a, a person call you. And, and you, if you remember, I talked about our kind of our area that we service. Yep. And I try to stay within that 50 mile range. Well, as with everywhere in the company, I mean, in the country, I'm sorry, finding labor, finding people to do jobs is difficult. And so we'll get people that will call us from outside of my traditional area that we work in. And you'll get a, 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 it sounds bad. I'm not making fun of them, but you'll get a sad story, man. I've called everybody I can find. Right. Nobody will show up. Nobody will do this. Right. And I will go, okay, I feel sorry for you. You're a nice guy. And, and you'll calculate and go, okay, yes, this, instead of being 50 miles, this is a hundred miles from home. And we have to drag all of our equipment and all of our employees and, and our subcontractors and this, that, and the other. And, but we'll make it work and it's only going to be a few days here and there. Undoubtedly, when you make that decision, the wheels fall off. It just, yeah. everything that can go wrong will, which is the reason you stay close to home because when things happen, you have the, the assets and et cetera to overcome the problems. That's the whole right. thing with staying in your territory is you have the ability to overcome obstacles, which in the construction business, that's yeah. the normal flow of business. But when you, step outside of where you know you shouldn't be yep it, it the the wheels just seem to fall off and you, it never works out <laughs> yeah i i think that you're right on that i think that obviously that can be you know translated into don't take on the client if you're a marketing guy or don't don't work with the low end or the high end if you're the opposite like it, it doesn't sure. matter what the scenario is if if you're taking on something that you shouldn't is the point yeah uh, and usually have you found that in those moments it's because I love the example that you gave the, like, I feel, you know, lack of a better term, sorry for this person, like that my emotions sure. got pulled into it. Is it that, or is it that plus opportunity around like, Ooh, the money? Because I've seen both. Uh, you know, no, usually it's, we're busy enough and it, but it's just that, well, let me back up there. There are times that that falls in there. It's you'll have a little slow time and, and the two of those work together and you go, Oh, well, yeah. this would be a good way to fill in when we're slow and it would Keep give my us guys busy. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I guess it does that because we put extra miles on everything, but the, but the yep. payoff for it is uh, seldom what it, what it should be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that, you know, as a, as a good steward of other people, right. And, and making sure that we're taking good care of the people that we've been entrusted. It's, it's your duty. To, to make sure that they're busy. It's your duty to make sure that they sure. have work to feed their families and such. But sure. I love what you're saying, not at the expense of, you know, in real estate, you know, real estate investors call it the buy box. Like it is, it is the buy box. If it doesn't fit, it doesn't, we, there's no deal, sure. you know, and you just got to yes. know what the box is. I think that applies, you know, all the way across the board. So that's great. What, what do you have now in place? And I would be super curious to hear about what you think about whatever process that you're about to describe to me, I want to know the process that you have of making good choices now. But since we've talked about your wife and also kids and how they're being involved, I want to know how that, what your process is. And then are the kids involved now or how are you pulling them into that? I'm curious. Well, so I, I guess a lot of it is, is 
in the 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 forefront of looking at at ways we can grow i don't get them involved in the in like i mentioned my my thing is is crunching numbers the the excel spreadsheets of doing that thing i don't get them that involved in the the minutiae of it but i will bring them in and we'll talk about hey this piece of equipment it could do this it could enable us to do this what are your thoughts on it and and usually it's from a very high level just to keep their interest in it and, and to let them know i'm interested in them being involved in that way at some point when they are more and more involved, they remember those conversations that happened. Oh yes, we talked about this and this is how we got to that decision. So um, that's, that's generally my mindset for, for keeping the kids involved is, is involving them on, on a very high level, I guess you'd say, not on the minutia, but, but just keeping them involved that way. They, at at some point when they're ready to step in, they have an understanding for what's going on. So what does that decision-making process normally look like for you, whether they're involved high, high, you know, level or not, what does that look like for you? Are you, are you, you're going to go to the data every time or is I it do. data? <laughs> I do. I do. I'm just a, a numbers driven guy. Okay. That's, that's what that, is that's the, are there decisions the that don't have data? You know, no, okay. <laughs> no, not really. Not really. I'm open to that I, answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. I, I crunch numbers, you know, from, from anything from, well, I say that, you know, my, my, I have social media things involved for, for both businesses that we run, you know, from Instagram showing pictures of things to the Facebook pages right. to et cetera. And seeing an actual, um, it's, it's hard to find an actual number that that is returning. And so that's to use one of those, those million dollar words, it's very nebulous. Yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah. use, right. we'll use that term, yep. but uh, that's, that's one of those things. But, but I think in the end, the payoff is there for, for staying out there on those things. And, and there are times when you'll have a customer reach out to you and say, Oh my gosh, I saw all the pictures of the things you do on, on Facebook. I found your page by accident, right? You've got to come, you've got to come build this for us. We, we want you to do this. So I know the return is there, but quantifying exactly how much and what it exactly is, is, is tough to, to quantify so you 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 know it's there and you just keep doing it because you know it's the wise thing to do yeah 100 i agree with you i think that you could you could look back into marketing if you have we're going to stay on this vein for a second you could look back into newspaper or billboards and like how do you know that the billboard pay for itself you 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 don't i mean unless you have some sort of a code or phone number or something (laughs) yes yes that's not going to work for for barn dominiums and so yeah it's it's about being known and and it's really cool because what you mentioned about you know just being out there and people finding you randomly i actually have a client an excavator that's one of his businesses in in my mastermind group and and he posted a video of a brand new machine and because of the machine there was this huge investor in town saw the video and realized, well, it was like this epiphany of like, wow, they're bigger than I thought they were. Let me make a phone call. And because of that video with this one machine, it gave the perception that they were so much bigger. Well, I mean, bigger than the, than the investor thought that they were, which they are and opened them up to like all these neighborhoods of foundation work. And it's just like, sure. One video had nothing to do with the actual dirt work, had the, the machine inside, you know, doing the work. So sure. I think that you're, you're spot on with, with paying for that and, and making sure that you keep, keep it alive, my friend. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Greg, I'm ready for the speed round. Are you? Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. First question is this, since you're a metric guy, you're a numbers guy, I'm super curious to hear your answer on this. 
The question is this, if you can only pick one metric, boil the whole business, both of your businesses, all the way down to one trackable metric, what is it? Profit. Okay, why? Because if you're not making money, you're not going to be here tomorrow to do it again. That's right. Okay. How are you, this is the, totally ancillary, I'm off, the, I'm off the cuff here. How are you instilling that in your children inside the business? So we, we do talk about bit the jobs that we're finishing up is like, hey, this is what happened on this. I, I don't give specific, you know, dollars and figures on dollars and cents on every job. But hey, sure. this is what we ran into on this. This ran over here. These are things we've got to take into account on future jobs. And I do relate that to them. So they, so they kind of have an idea for things to plan for, unknowns, uh, things that you know that are out there, not necessarily unknown, but you know there are possibilities and how to, to work around those. So yes, I do bring those in into the conversations with them. That's awesome. Love it. Okay. What book would you recommend for a six-figure business owner trying to get to your level? Well, so actually, I've got two that I, I like. One of okay. them is Profit First. I don't know if you've Love run it. across that one. Mike McCallowitz, I believe is how you pronounce his name. But that is, you know, so many entrepreneurs get into the game and I get it. You put every single dollar back into the business, back into the business. And we mentioned there's also usually a spouse that's involved and they see that you're gone all the time, all the time but they're not seeing any of the payoff for this. And right. either you get completely burned out and you put every penny back into the business and, and you're just burned out and you don't see the reward for it. So that system of, of not squirreling away the profit, but putting it away that way it is no. Now you can always put it back into the business, but it is a conscious decision to put that money back to the business. But there yes. is a trail and you go, oh, we did achieve this. We earned this much. And I think that is vital for, people that are, that are growing their business to have something to show for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're a hundred percent right. Uh, I love it. What was the second, the book? other book, the second book and here in Texas that, that uh, it's called customers for life. I don't know if you've run across this one, No, I but haven't. so Carl Sewell is a car dealer, an auto dealer, I guess, predominantly in Texas. He has okay. a number of car dealerships in the Dallas area, the Houston area, he is a huge auto dealer, but this book, Customers for Life, and it talks about their theory of things that they do, little things that they do for customers yeah. that make them customers for life. And so, and people go, well, I'm not a salesman, but he talks about how every member of his team works on that from, from you know, taking care of somebody left their dry cleaning in the back of a car that they were working on that got messed up and they took it and took care of it and, and just yeah. on and on and on. But it's the little things that they do that that make the customer go, hey, that is the only place that I'm doing business. And so yeah. it it's just a great, it's not a long read by any means, but it's just a great little tool for people to realize, oh, I really do have an influence on how many of these customers continue to use our business. I love it. Yeah, we call them touch points. And, and there's so many of them. And most entrepreneurs have never really thought about the touch points that we have before they become a customer. And then as well as all the opportunities after that, that we have the little touch points and the, not that, that we need to make every touch point special, but to your point, if there is intentionality at each point, the right people will not only become customers, but they'll be customers for life. They're the raving fans, if you will. So yes. love that. Okay. Do you intentionally network or mastermind with other entrepreneurs? So there's a group of guys here in this local area that, that are of similar age, similar uh, 
mindset in, in business that we, I don't know that we necessarily, there's a specific, oh, we're going to get together and talk about business or et cetera. Sure. But, but we, we regularly get together and, and visit and, and talk about how things are going, what, what projects they've got going on. And, and, and again, just generally Council. keep yourself in front of them. Exactly. But, but yeah. the payoff is, is when they come across something that somebody's doing, they go, oh, you need to talk to him or, or I do the same thing. Hey, this guy can take care of the something you're right. needing. And so it works very well from yeah. that networking standpoint of, of them taking care of your referrals, them taking care of referring you to other people. So yeah, it works yeah, very I love well. It. Love it. That's a, it's a, it's an old school tactic of, of building the network that way, but, but I love the local meetups there. They are a, a heartbeat really yes. that I think will last forever, but you know, it, it's just an opportunity for people who want to take advantage of, of relationships. Yes, I think it's so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I got a question for you that wasn't on the sheet. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw you a curveball here since we got a little <laughs> extra time and sure. you're an analytical guy. So I love, I love watching you think. So if you only had one hour each week to operate your business, what would you do in that one hour to successfully operate the business like you do now? Hmm. It'd be focused on scheduling. Okay. Give us a little bit more. Because, well, the, the reason I say that is that's, that's the biggest thing is, is you have so many jobs that, that come your way and keeping the scheduling in line a lot of times it, it sounds bad, but it gets put by the wayfinding side and you're putting out fires, you're working on this and other, where if you actually just kept a schedule and kept things lined out from that standpoint, a lot of the fires could probably be avoided. And so I think yeah. <laughs> that's probably the, the wisest investment that could be made is actually taking care of, of the schedule and making sure everything stays in line and, and moving along. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me think, I, I mean, I, I, the principle that you're describing here, I just want to like pull a little nugget out here for the listener, because it's not necessarily about analysis paralysis. Cause you, if you get sure. too in the weeds, then oh, yes. you never have any action. Exactly. But I was a, uh, you know, uh, in sales for almost 20 years before I launched my first business. And it was very much the same way in the sales process, which I eventually ended up teaching, but it, if you could take care of a lot of the things by just building a good relationship, being authentic, actually figuring out what they need. And then if you can help them, then presenting those things, then, mm -hmm. then there are no objections really at the end. Exactly. It's the same exact thing that you just said, which is, you know, it's a different thing with scheduling, but if you can get ahead and be organized and, and actually be where you say you're going to be, do the things that you say you're going to do to the people that you say you're going to do them to, then it actually eliminates a lot of the problems on the back end of yes. business, the operations. Sure. Sure. And, and, and in with that, like I said, the communication portion of letting those people know where you're going, what you're doing, that it saves people, everything. Oh, people can adjust to most anything if they know what's going, if they, they have a, a accurate uh, understanding of, of what's going on and what your intentions are. You know, the intentionality that, is it goes just like me as the homeowner, I just I just got done building a house for you know 16 months. In fact, I should probably continue the time frame because we're still like I, I was texting him today going, bro, when is this XYZ getting done? And it's because I have no expectation. I have no timeline. Like, hello, yes, you know, sure. I'm, I'm a pretty flexible guy. I run multiple businesses like yourself. So it's like, I get it. I'm not trying to be a hard nosed guy. I'm not trying to be difficult. Sure. But if I don't know. But now just give I'm me a wondering. realistic expectation. Yes. If you That's just communicate with me. 
So I think yeah. that you're, you hit the, the nose dead on the hill there on the, on the head. So last question, Greg, if you lost it all, what would you do? You know, in my industry and, and with, it's the thing of, I think you're, you, I've listened to other podcasts and everybody goes back to it. It's what you've already learned. If you lose all of it, you don't lose that portion of it. And so starting over is so much less daunting, right? You can rent in my, in my business, you can rent equipment, you can pieces that you need to work. And I think that's where I would start off. You just go out and start talking to people and rent equipment and build a business again. You know how to do it. You've done it once. Get out there right. and make it happen again. Yep. You've gotten over the hard part of figuring it out. Just do it again. Now, the secondary question, since, since you're, you're, you know, for the listener, I, I pop on with Greg here a little bit ago before we jumped on the air and, and he said that he had listened to several of the shows ahead of time. So he, he's got a little bit of this, like, he knows what I'm going to ask ahead of time. So my secondary question to you, my good friend is how do you instill that, that freedom that you just described of, well, I know it's less, I mean, I just do it again. Like there's total freedom in that. Sure. How do you how do you gift that to your children? So let, let me give you a little my my two boys, the youngest ones, they're kind of little entrepreneurs as well. They have their own little they in high school and, and in school, they had their own little lawn mowing business that they started up, they funded, they've bought their own equipment. As I mentioned, one of them is a hands-on do everything kind of guy. The other one is the salesman, and they right. work together pretty well. And so they have that mindset of one of them came to me one day, the younger one was like, Hey dad, if I go buy this piece of equipment, it'll open us up to where we can add this to our list of services that we're doing when it's not lawn mowing season. And we can, we can do this for the same customers and offer another thing that, that takes over. So they're seeing that in ways that how they can grow a business, things that they can add in right. services that customers need. And so I think that is the best way to pass it on to them is let them have their own little business, let them understand how money works. You know, yeah. they've bought their own vehicles. They, they, you know, just from that little enterprise that they have, they, they kind of understand how business works. And that puts them so far ahead of, yeah. of so many kids nowadays that have no concept of where money comes from or how to go out and earn it, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. I think that for kids is, is invaluable of, of running their own little business, whatever it may be. I love it. You, we, we are cut from the same cloth and, and our mind and, and how we parent. You know, like I said, you've got a, a few years on, on me ahead of time. So I'm going to be watching you, you know, in detail on, on how this plays out with your boys and stuff. But I, I, I have so appreciated just the time with you here today. I think that not only the listener got things in business, but I think the things in life um, that make us a good, a good person, a good decision maker. You're an ex excellent example of all of that. And so I want to know first, uh, before we, before we sign off here, how can the listener connect with you? How can they find you? How can they do a deal with you? How can they come work for you? How can, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> sure. So I'm, I'm on LinkedIn at, at just Greg Caldwell and my construction business is listed there as well. But then on social media, Facebook, Caldwell Construction, and Caldwell Earthworks are the two businesses here in the Nacogdoches, Texas area. So reach out to me on any of those. You can see plenty of pictures and, and see what uh, some of those viewers that and listeners that may not understand exactly what a barn dominium is, <laughs> they can go there and see the pictures and, and find out what that is. If nothing else, it's a learning experience. So a hundred percent. Now, now I, I, with the barn dominium talk, you got to make sure, are you on TikTok? 
No, I've not been on TikTok. I, I've not, I've not ventured there yet. But uh, get your maybe. social media folks on on TikTok because <laughs> feels like every seventh video that pops up is a barn dominium of sorts. So really, uh, really, I yep. will have to to dive into that. So. There you go. Well, brother, you have been extremely valuable here today. Thank you for opening up just your history, your experience, your value. We wish you nothing but success. Thank you for being here. Yes. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 Kings specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.